Blog Talk Radio. It's wonderful to be here. It certainly is a thrill. Thank you for tuning in to our Pepper Mindset radio series on Recipe Records Radio. Good day to you. And if you're listening live, woohoo! We are we have done something with social media. Thank you for tuning in. And if you're listening to the archived show, Just uh, hang on to your hats because you're going to really enjoy this great, great show. I am your host, Lena Stagg, and I am the author of the Recipe Records Cookbook series. And speaking of Recipe Records Cookbook, I am enjoying a fab cup of Get Back Joe spiced coffee and some Savoy truffles, which you can find in Recipe Records, a culinary tribute to the Beatles. It is, uh, everything in the cookbook is pretty fab. I have a pretty fab lineup for you here today on Blog Talk Radio. You are going to really enjoy this show. In case you are living under a rock, um, you might Everybody pretty much knows that it's the 50th anniversary of the release of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And Beatle fans around the world are celebrating this milestone. And today's show, The Pepper Mindset, was created by a Beatles enthusiast, Sean Gaylord, who is a middle school principal in North Carolina. He he has guaranteed a splendid time for all. So I want to send a quick thanks out to my buddy, John Lennon series author and expert, Jude Sutherland Kessler, and her husband, who is our personal recording engineer, Rand. He produced the music that you are hearing on the show today. It's not a lot, but it's fab. And a big thanks to 910 Public Relations and Nicole Michael for promoting and organizing this entire series. She's been great at getting us all communicated. Be sure to mark your calendar for the four remaining sessions. The links will be released soon. We are on the same bat day at the same bat time for the next four weeks. Uh, every Wednesday at 5 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Next week's guest is awesome. World-renowned authority on the Beatles, Ken Walmack. And we're going to be chatting about the fabulous George Martin. So I'm going to give you a quick rundown on today's guest, and I'm going to let Sean take it away. Today's guests are very talented and eclectic. First, we'll hear from one of my most favorite people in the world, the rock and roll detective, professional researcher Jim Birkenstadt, who is the author of The Beetle Who Vanished, the true story of Jimmy Nickel, who was the deputy drummer for the Beatles when Ringo had his tonsils removed. I'm sure you all remember that. His book is being made into a motion 
picture. So you need to get on that book and get prepared so that you have the story. And even though Jim is a Chicago's Black Hawk, Chicago Blackhawks fan, he rocks in the world of rock and roll. And you can find his books and lots of other things at his website, www.rockandrolldetective.com. We also have another fab author with us today. Donovan Day is the author of Get Back, which is a wonderful young adult fantasy that intertwines the Beatles' heyday with today's world. And I have read it. I love it. And I know all the millennial children will love it too. You can find Donovan at his author page at Amazon.com slash Donovan Day. Your Pepperland principal today is Sean Gaylord, a North Carolina middle school principal. That's pretty brave right there. Sean has been in education for 25 years, and he is the founder of Hashtag Celebrate Monday, which encourages positivity to jumpstart the week. He and his wife, Deb, of 20 years, have three amazing daughters, and I forgot to ask their ages. We'll have to share that. You can read Sean's amazing blog at principallinernotes.wordpress.com. In tandem with our esteemed guests speaking on Sgt. Pepper, Sean is going to blend the importance and the magnitude of the Sgt. Pepper's album and project and compare it with the world of education today. He's an expert, so he is going to mold us all into his world. Teachers are number one in my book. Get it? <laughs> it's very remarkable that the Beatles were probably not aware at the time that they were implementing teaching skills into their music and their message. They were teaching us about love, hate, peace, war, patience, and they were utilizing their intricate musical talent and incorporating teaching skills from a couple other very sharp gentlemen, as I mentioned before, producer George Martin, and also their fabulous recording engineer, Jeff Emmerich. So I am going to try and connect with Sean and also with that Chicago Blackhawk, Mr. Jim Birkenstadt. Gentlemen, are you there? Uh, Jim Birkenstadt is here. Hey Jim is here. Hey Jim, this is uh, this is Sean. We are in a virtual studio two with the entire the entire universe, whether we're Blackhawk fans or not. And I I stand with Jim as uh, as the son of uh, native uh, folks from the second city. <laughs> All right. Well, now we have Blackhawk fans in the in the game. <laughs> That's and all right because the Blues the Blues are still in it. Uh, but you're going to have the so. blues in about a day or two. Oh, stop. <laughs> I still believe in miracles. All right. <laughs> How's it going, oh, Jim? Oh, great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Well, it's well, great to have you here, uh, Jim. Us. Yes, 
it's great to have you here. And, and Lena, thank you for uh, setting the table. I've, I've never, I've been called a lot of things as a principal, but I, I am honored. I think I am most honored by the title Pepperland uh, Principal. And uh, that, that may great. have to be a, a T-shirt or a bumper sticker. Um, <laughs> um, but but Jim, uh, it's it's great to have you here, and 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 Lane and I uh, are, are are pleased as as Punch, and 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 happy for you to hear for you to be here for our inaugural show, and and having read the the Beatle Who Vanished, and and knowing um, a whole lot about uh, an incredible mystery and. And story that that you 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 bring us on with with the 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 kind of the rise the fall the disappearance uh, and mystery that is Jimmy Jimmy Nickel um, he he really is and congratulations on the upcoming film as well uh, definitely more than a footnote in in Sergeant Pepper history so so perhaps right. for our listeners and for those folks that are tuning in. Um, maybe, maybe, kind of give us a little bit of context of how how you 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 first became aware of uh, of Sergeant Pepper in June of 1967. Well, you know, I was uh, I was 11 years old, and I had already been a Beatles fan since 1964 when they were on the Ed Sullivan Show, and it was interesting because uh, in the summer of '67, none of us fans had heard from the Beatles in quite a while, other than I think a single that had come out in February. And so we were all like, when's the next album coming out? And then people were starting to buy <laughs> Monkeys albums, which was really oh. distressing. They were moving over <laughs> the month. So um, when Sgt. Pepper came out on June 1st, I believe it was, I was unaware of it because there was no single that came on the radio. It was just released as an album. So... And, and, you know, there was no social media then either. So on June 26th, which happened to be my birthday, I came home from a camp, and there was this really colorful album propped up on my record player <laughs> with a birthday card from my brother saying, I hope you like this. And I went over uh, to it, and I'm who is this? It was, it was such an amazing <laughs> album cover. I was searching because it didn't, you know, pop out saying, you know, the Beatles and this is their new album. It was, it was very sort of artistic. And I first saw these wax figure type things of the, the Beatles as mop tops. And then I saw it to the right. I'm like, oh, that must be the Beatles uh, as they look now with these mustaches and longer hair. And it was just a, it was like, um, like that was like unraveling a mystery. And who are all these people standing behind them? And uh, then I unwrapped the album, and I had a mono, monoral copy. I put it on my turntable, and then I just sat back and listened, and I was so intrigued. Their lyrics were there for the first time, and you hear the anticipatory noise of the orchestra and a crowd, and then suddenly I'm transported into this, fantasy world of Sgt. Peppers and Billy Shears and Lucy in the Sky and Mr. K. And it was, you know, for an 11-year-old, it was mind-blowing without the use of any uh, recreational drugs. Uh, and it was interesting because their lyrics were really teaching me about ideas, philosophies, concepts that were years above my maturity level. So it really expanded my worldview about art and music uh, and all types of career possibilities. 
And ironically, I dreamt of working for the Beatles at this point, like I, I wished for that. And it came true in 2001. So it just shows you, you know, that if you um, keep your childhood dreams alive and keep your eyes on the ball, anything can happen. So, so I, I'm getting chills as as you share this story and, and, and amazing – you know, for me, I, I'm I'm a second generation fan, uh, and and I stumbled across the album um, at the age of ten um, in, in oh, the okay. summer of 1980. Uh, so, um, and and I remember, um, you know, that was a that was a very pivotal um, summer for me personally, and and that's mm-hmm. when I st- first started discovering. The Beatles, and you know, you know, s- several months after that, that that marked the the unfortunate death of of John Lennon, and, oh, right. and so the, the the history of that time um, is for for me, and that what that album meant. Um, you know, I, I listened to that in the context of the Iran hostage crisis, Reagan's election, all these things that were happening. Um, so, so you know, maybe paint a little picture for us of you know. Kind of what was going on uh, in the world of, of, of June 1967. This is the, uh, the, the the beginning of the summer of love, Vietnam, all these things. Hey. So, so probably fitted in the context of of the history of that time. Well, you know, as a um, as a an 11 year old, my world was much smaller. And you know, as an 11 year old, you're not exactly focused on. Uh, issues of the time uh but you know i think the one thing that came through was we were starting to see news clips on the nightly news of hate ashbury and the, these kids kind of swirling around wearing very colorful costumes and and playing this really cool music that just seemed to be uh it seemed to have taken off and expanded we had pet sounds coming out from the beach yes. boys that again was we weren't hearing about surf, surfing USA. I mean, they were talking, they were singing more conceptually. And, and even the Beatles on Revolver had started to move in that direction. And so I was a kid in a convertible driven by a teacher who was teaching us baseball all day long at a camp. And then I'd come home and listen to the Beatles. So, you know, it was a much <laughs> smaller world then. And, and of course, 11-year-olds in 1967, you know, our only form of news was either, you know, if our dad left the newspaper on the table, we'd read the headlines, or uh, there'd be the nightly news for half an hour, and that was about it. So, you know, I I think my parents were sort of keeping me away from uh, views of the Vietnam War, which were graphically displayed on TV at that time, so... That be, I don't think I became aware of that until about 68 or 69. It just seemed like an idyllic time, 67, the summer. Mm-hmm. That, um, and and you, you mentioned, you know, pet sounds, and we, we almost need to give a moment of silence for the majesty that is that, is that album and, and the influence of Brian Wilson, uh, but but one of the things that you mentioned in your earlier, you know, that, that just beautiful reverie that you just just gave us, um, you know, the album cover, and looking at the Beatles, oh, they, yeah. they they weren't the Beatles anymore, and and 
you know, and again, I'm showing my age here. The closest that I can kind of approximate that is when U2 came out with Octung Baby, uh, and they weren't the U2 that I knew from the Joshua Tree, and and they were markedly different. Or I, you know, I remember David Bowie and all his personas from Ziggy Stardust and Aladdin Sane, and you know, even the even the Beach Boys with with Pet Sounds, you know, where there is a right. marked difference between the striped shirts and the Pendletons and, and then now we're we're singing sad songs about love and God only knows and those things. So mm-hmm. this whole notion of Paul's concept with Pepper and and mm-hmm. was quite revolutionary. So go there for go there with us. Take us there. Okay. Well you know, to to go there we really need to go a little bit back in time before that, which was in in the uh, summer of 66, that marked the end of live touring for the Beatles. Right. And here they had been living in little boxes, cars, trains, planes, hotel rooms, and backstage areas for years, <clears throat> excuse me, on an endless tour grind. And <clears throat> the, final, uh, the final tour was was marred by protests in Japan at Budokan because religious groups felt that it was sacrilegious for them to play there. They were roughed up by uh, the Marcos regime in the Philippines after failing to attend a reception of the First Lady, Imelda Marcos, at the palace. And, and, you know, I think their money was taken away from that show. They were lucky to get out of there alive. And then finally, uh, John Lennon had been talking about religion and had done a lot of reading on religion at the time when he was interviewed in England and he was actually deploring the fact that in that day and age uh, that the kids uh, felt that the Beatles were more important than Jesus Christ or than religion and uh, those comments got completely distorted in fact I would say that was the first fake news in rock and roll uh, <laughs> rock and roll history and the media basically led to the Bible Belt protesting their shows in, at the end of their American tour burning their records and, and you know taking his words out of context so all of that preceded them saying that's it we're not going to tour anymore and so then they all went on well deserved holidays and when they came back, Paul came back with this concept to use, uh, and this was really a teachable moment. You know, they had all been in the boxes, and even creatively they were doing albums of just here's a list of pop songs. And and he came back and said, let's use a pseudonym for a fictional band, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And that would give them the freedom to experiment, to escape the Beatles' mop-top image, and and to really work on maturing uh, their sound and and their lyrics and just coming out with a more diverse creative product and of course again back to Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys Pet Sounds Paul was at the same time very inspired by that album in fact George Martin said quote without Pet Sounds Sgt Pepper never would have happened Pepper was an attempt to equal pet sounds. So that's what Martin thought. So so I think it was a a moment in time where they were finally they they found a way to free themselves and and Paul really at that point started to assert a little more con- creative power and leadership within the band 
Lenin started to step back a little at this point, and I think that Paul encouraged some new and different creative collaboration and thinking outside the box as they approach this new album. It, and, it, and it's really, you know, his his driving force, you know, with that. And, and he was always one, I think, you know, you hear the different stories, you know, like with, uh, you know, Sun King on Abbey Road. Okay, we're... Let, let's not be us. Let's be Fleetwood Mac doing Albatross, and and even the the idea with right. the posthumous uh, reunion recordings with Free as a Bird. Well, let's pretend that John is is out for tea. You know, it's it's a really great approach to creativity to kind of create this conceptual link uh, or conceptual hook for yeah. for a for a band or or any creative enterprise to. To, to 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 jump on and um you know one of the one of the great songs from that which is is a you know mainly a a, a paul song is is getting better uh which we're, we're going to play a snippet of a little bit later um t- t- tell 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 us the uh the connection or the inspiration behind that with uh that that little known studio drummer that you 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 wrote about right well in my uh book the beetle who vanished i do document that uh, when Paul was starting to write songs for the Sgt. Pepper Lonely Hearts Club Band, he he was actually, uh, according to his biography, he was actually walking his dog Martha in St. John's Wood in London, and he was recalling the hectic days in 1964 when Ringo had fallen ill and the band had to begin their first ever world tour with a session drummer named Jimmy Nickel, who's the subject of my book, The Beetle Who Vanished. And, you know, I think Paul and John realized more than anyone in the group how much pressure Jimmy Nickel must have been under to go from being an everyday guy to suddenly thrust into the position of, of not only looking the part of a beetle, but, but having to drive the rhythm of the greatest band in the world at that time. And, and just the whole pressure of the media the fans, the screaming, the whole thing. And so each day, Paul and John would ask Jimmy how he was handling, you know, the the chores of Beatlemania, uh, and Nickel would always give him the same thumbs-up answer, it's getting better, it's getting better. And, and it was Jimmy's consistent, optimistic mantra that suddenly gave McCartney the inspiration to write a new song and you know, the whole song is not about Jimmy Nickel, but Paul says it's an optimistic song, and he said that I often try to get optimistic subjects in an effort to cheer myself up and also realizing other people are going to hear this and to cheer them up too. And so he just sort of played off Jimmy Nickel's famous phrase that each day was getting a little better being a, a substitute Beatle, and it just sort of gave him the inspiration to write a song. Wow, and and Lena, I'm thinking for the next uh, recipe book, maybe maybe we need to have uh, you know like J- Jimmy Nickel vanishing, you know, drumsticks or something, you know, because they're so right. good they vanish. I feel like Jimmy Nickel. <laughs> <laughs> or how about uh, Jimmy Nickel brownies that you make especially for me, and I'll make sure they vanish very quickly. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> Latest, yes, I'm raising, raising my cup of Jody on that one. <laughs> Baking goods ever. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, t- talk with us about the you know the the album you know getting better is is. Um, you know, the, the, is such a unique piece of music. The whole album is, is is not, you know, it's not like the the first couple of Monkeys albums where it's standard pop. You know, there, there's a little right. bit of everything in that album. So maybe maybe a little uh, potpourri uh, jaunt for us there on Pepper. Well, I think one of the most interesting aspects of it is the opening track, coupled with track 12. The, the opening track is the title song, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And it starts with that um, anticipation that you hear maybe at a Broadway play or or a concert. Uh, you hear people, you hear band members tuning up and you hear the anticipation and excitement of the crowd. And then all of a sudden it slams right into this hard rocking song, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which introduces us to this uh, fictional band that they've created, this concept, and and then the way it segues into with a little help from my friends, where we hear from Billy Shears, which is we have Ringo singing now, and and how interesting is it that Ringo gets the second song in the whole album, whereas usually right. that wasn't the case, and and then back to the title song, they reprise the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band on the 12th track to kind of almost sort of knit together the idea that you're, this whole thing is one big conceptual piece of work. It's not just a, a list of pop songs this time or singles. And in fact, there were no singles, at least in America, uh, when the album came out. And then, you know, you, you fall into Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, and it's like you're being... It's like you're floating along listening to the song. It's you know it's it's and here you know it came from Julian's artwork that he brought mm-hmm. home one day and you know it's just a really wonderful psychedelic song. There's there's just so many different gems on there and you know George Harrison was starting to assert his eastern music influences and we hear within you without you and it was at the time when we back then when we listened to this album it was vinyl, so everything was in two parts. So when you flip the record over, you the first thing you hear is this very Eastern-sounding influence with sitars and, and other such instruments. And, and you're like, whoa, is this the wrong... Did they put the wrong album on side two? What's this? <laughs> so really quite interesting. And then you really get into it, and, and you hear George singing, and, and his singing is... is about concepts, you know, inside ourselves and the world around us and all these things. And you're, you're, frankly, you don't need drugs to be blown away by by the philosophies and, and what, what we're learning on this album. And then I think When I'm 64 was special to me because at the time I was a clarinetist in school. Oh, and great. so to yes. hear mm-hmm. clarinet on that song, When I'm 64, and I'm like, yeah, the Beatles are using clarinet. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, it's just so. You many... might have influenced them. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I sent them a tape. Of <laughs> there you <squats> go. Pre pre Records. Good morning, good morning. Where you have the different animals uh, that mm-hmm. John had sequenced in a way 
that like one animal type could devour the next one and the next one and there's a, a, a you know he had come up with this interesting concept and then you know a day in the life i mean what an amazing song to end with you're just you know you're almost out of breath by the time that album ends if it's the first time you've ever heard it uh and uh funny story my daughter becca at one time we were listening to the cd in the car and she had never heard the album and i said i'm just gonna she was maybe like seven eight years old and i said i'm just gonna go into the store here i'll leave the car on i'll lock the door and you can listen to the rest of the album and a day in the life came on and oh, when man. i came back you know, i was only in the store for like one minute when i came back <laughs> she was in tears because oh, that whole orchestral buildup scared the crap out of her <laughs> didn't know what to expect it was just like the bold of a musical statement you know, woke up, get out of bed, that's fine, you know, yeah. but when the, when that orchestra <laughs> plays, it's kind of spooky scary for a little kid, so <laughs> I've never heard the end of that good one. Good going, Dad. Yeah, thanks, really Dad. Good, you, Dad. You, you introduced me to the apocalypse, Dad. Thanks. You know. Oh, exactly. Good, good word for it. <laughs> um, I, I, Jim, this is this has just been great and, and um, just so enjoyable and, and uh Really, am a big fan of of the book, The Beetle Who Vanished, and it's great that you you've taken a a a, a beetle, the answer to a um, a Beatles trivia question, the answer that is Jimmy mm-hmm. Nickel, and you've really just written a a, a riveting book about and, and uh, about this man, and uh, looking forward to the film uh, as as kind of a, a, a sign off for this segment. There, you know, speak. We started talking about the monkeys, but there was a certain opening act of the monkeys who. Uh, later, you know, maybe I guess it was a few days after Sergeant Pepper was released, paid one of the yeah. the ultimate tributes. That's right. Uh, you know, probably, in my opinion, that you know there were all these people who wrote reviews about the album when it came out. But in my opinion, the best critique, the five star critique, was that three days after the album was released, Jimi Hendrix had learned the title track to Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And he played it and sang it live for the first time three days later at the London Seville Theater, which was Brian Epstein's theater. And Paul McCartney was there. And I'm sure that Paul was completely blown away that someone as amazing as Jimi Hendrix was paying tribute to this new album Mm -hmm. that had come out. To me, that's a five-star review that you just can't beat. Absolutely, and I think Paul, to this day in his set list, his little uh, you know epilogue at the end when he plays "Let Me Roll It" uh, live, I believe he he works in a little foxy lady. I think as a nod right. to mm-hmm. to Jimmy, right. which is just just a really neat uh, counterpoint. Um, Jim well, one last had, point, though, I, I would yeah, like to throw in the fact that the New York Times contemporaneously yes. wrote a scathing review of the album, and they said, "quote." Spoiled and reeking of special effects, dazzling but ultimately fraudulent. So I think wow. clearly they were on the wrong side of history there at the New York Times that day. Yeah, prob- <laughs> probably the same guys. I uh, think you know th- there may be some connection to Dick Rowe at Decca Records, who, when the Beatles auditioned in '62, said guitar groups are on their way out. <laughs> on their way out. <laughs> 
well, well, Jim, um, you, you are definitely not on your way out. I know that you've got to go, but uh, the book, ladies and gentlemen, The Beetle Who Vanished by Jim Birkenstadt, it is, uh, it is a must read. It's available on, on Amazon, and, uh, and please, uh, please be sure to pick it up. And, and, and we look forward. When, when is the, the, the film going to come out, Jim? Well, there's no date. where It's all in pre-production right now, ah, and gotcha. uh, the people who bought the option rights are Alex Orbison, who is Roy Orbison's son, and Ashley wow. Hamilton, who's the son of actor George Hamilton. And so they are, you know, it's in process, but you'll be the first to know when something is, uh, when we're able to say something publicly about it. But I'm looking forward to seeing the film. I know that, and I'm sure a lot of other people are who've read the book. Absolutely. Absolutely, and uh, it's uh, that is that is just so great. That is going to be a fine, fine film. It's a, it's a fine, it's a fine book. And, and again, we are so grateful and, and honored to have you here as our, uh, as our first guest. Well, thank you both for thank having you, me Jim. on, and I'm honored to be on your Pepper Mindset program. Thanks again. Wonderful. Thank Thanks, you, Jim. Jim. It was a pleasure. See you soon. See you soon. Bye bye. All right, so we're going to play a cut from Sergeant Peppers, and then we will connect with our next guest, Donovan Day. For the benefit of Mr. Kite, there will be a show tonight on That's just terrific. I love that. Okay, Sean, are you ready for Donovan Day? We are ready for Donovan Day, and uh, we are so pleased to to have him here with us, Lena, on the Pepper Mindset. Uh, Up-and-coming writer Donovan Day is the author of Get Back, a fast-paced fantasy that intertwines the Beatles' heyday with today's world. The book is geared for young adults, though the story has elements that would appear to readers from millennials to baby boomers. Day attended Columbia University, where he studied creative writing as a former English teacher. That is after my own heart. His short stories have appeared in several literary journals. A native of Oxford, Mississippi, he splits his time between his hometown and New York City. He is a longtime fan of the Beatles, having inherited his grandfather's taste in rock and roll. And, and Get Back, I might add, is, is just a wonderful book. And uh, it is Donovan's first book. And if you are a fan of the Beatles, if you are a fan of, of time travel and fantasy, uh, this book is definitely for you. So we welcome Donovan Day to the Pepper Mindset. Hi, guys. I'm here. How are you? Hey Donovan, hello my friend. It is great to have you here, and uh, I, I, I have to say that uh, as I, 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 you are the first person that with, that I know uh, with the name Donovan, and I just want to break out into Hurdy Gurdy Man or First There Is a Mountain, and uh, and, and Elena maybe is, is there a Donovan? Yes, Sunshine Superman. No, we won't do hanky panky. Sorry, I, I, I digress. Um, but yes, yeah, sunshine, Superman, and and uh, but man, it is it is just a thrill to to get back with you here on 
on on the pepper mindset. So uh, our all gratitude. Thanks so, so much. How are you, my yeah. friend? I'm good. I'm good. Very good. And uh, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Wonderful. Um, one of the things um, that uh, you know, all us all us Beatle fans, and and Jim kind of shared with us earlier his introduction, his his kind of first step into the world of of Sgt. Pepper. So what what's your what was your first introduction to to that album? Well, um oddly enough it was visual, not uh music music uh musically because it was, you know, the cover when I was a kid, um, you know, somewhere around uh, early tweens, <laughs> maybe younger, I, I noticed the cover and you know, it's it's colorful and you, you know, it caught my attention and I started looking at all the people and asking my parents and grand, grandfather who everybody was. And, you know, I didn't know any of them were, but I soon came to know the Beatles, that's for sure. And that, that's what, that was my introduction. It was really the, the cover, which is arresting and iconic these days, right? Yes, and I, I I love I love that word uh, arresting. It really is. I mean, it is it is not a it stands out, and and it has grown to be, you know, often imitated and parodied and and uh, mm-hmm. and emulated. Um, so, you know, one one of the things in 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 reading just reading your great book is is just this whole notion of of what if and and. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things of 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 pepper of sergeant pepper and really the pepper mindset is this notion of taking risks uh thinking outside of the box and 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 taking the box so to speak and and destroying it and 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 thinking about possibilities um, so 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 maybe you know connecting with us the this whole notion of what if in your book and and, and connecting it to right, right. Sergeant Pepper. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that my, my book is all about what if, like, you know, what if uh, a young man could go back and, you know, be with the Beatles when they were recording. And it, I think I, I've said before that it started with a dream I had that, that the dream was so vivid that I was actually in the studio jamming with the Beatles while they were recording and, they allowed me to be there. And so that was the genesis of the book. And, uh, you know, um, you call it pepper mindset. I, I read your great blog and, um, other people have said something about the group mind that the Beatles had that they thought as one. And I, I don't, I, I think, you know, I don't think the fact that they were all from Liverpool is, is nothing. I mean, I think they had very similar upbringings and they could relate to one each, each other in a way uh, outsiders couldn't, and that included uh, Mal Evans and uh, you know people in their inner circle, and Brian Epstein for that matter. Um, the only outsider really was George Martin, who was in the recording studio with them. But but they they sort of operated as like a four-headed monster, and and uh, and I think I think for sure their upbringing and their background contributed to their group mind, which contributed to the the pepper the pepper mindset, as you put it. And uh, I think they were, you know, when they stopped touring, they were they uh, they were willing to take risks because why not? What else are you going to do? I mean, they they had a lot of time on their hands, I guess, and they they wanted to make the best albums they could make. They didn't have touring anymore, and the crazy fans out there and threats on stage and all of that. So I I, I think they absorbed 
the times that we're in. And a great book, by the way, another great book is uh, The Beatles 1966 uh, that came out last year. That's a really terrific book. It just takes the year 1966, which was a pivotal year for them, and almost goes day by day, hour by hour, and what was happening in England then, what was happening in the world, and and how they assimilated everything into their music. And uh, I heartily recommend that book. Yes, that um, Steve Turner, uh, and if, if for those of you who are wondering, Beatles 66 by Steve Turner is is a must read and really takes that pivotal year, a tipping point year. And, and you've referenced it and Jim has referenced that, you know, in the previous segment with the, the final tour. And, and it's a great little uh, prelude, if you will, um, to the, uh, to the journey that is Sergeant Pepper. Um, mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful book. Get Back is, you know, is, is, you know, and, and if you look at look up Get Back on on Amazon, and and uh, you know even in the blurb that we have that Lana wrote on the on the Pepper Mindset uh, link for the radio show, you know it it is it is somewhat geared um, for young adults, and I don't know if that was in, intentional, Donovan. I mean, I'm I'm a uh, I'm fo- I'm you know going to be 47 next week, and and mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm getting a, a, a whole lot out of uh, the book. I've gotten a whole lot out of the book. Um, and being an educator and, and, and being a principal, um, you know, I'm looking at the, reading the book and going, man, I got I got to get this in my school library and love for <laughs> for my, some of my students to to read it and be inspired by it as well. So, what what is the, the kind of message or or takeaway that you want uh, our our young adults to take away having having read your book? Well, I I I, I think the, the book is about magic, right? And Mm-hmm. Going back in time, time traveling, and and the Beatles were magic. I mean, there's just something about them. I mean, they, I, you you it's almost, despite hundreds of books that have been written and millions and zillions of words, it's hard to really explain the magic. I mean, you can buy Paul McCartney's guitar or Ringo's drum kit, but the magic's not in those things. I mean, it was in them, and and it was in the the group itself. And um, I sometimes think being an American that um, part of the magic had to do with them being English for me. You know, I, I, I think the references are unusual. I, I don't know. Yeah, they're not American references in the songs. And um, I recently read that um, I Am the Walrus had some lyrics from a, a child's lyric that John used to say with his buddies in Liverpool. Um, and so I, I don't, I, I think my book is about magic and I think the Beatles were about magic and, and they created something. Their music is so layered. I mean, once you get past the early stuff, the music is so layered with laughter and grunts and and all, all of that. And it all came out in Sgt. Pepper. That and and uh, you know, it's just it, even before that with Revolver. But I mean, it, but that 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 was the height of it. How one song flows into another, and it's just odd effects. And you know, if you read another book, I think George uh, Jeff Emmerich's book you realize that the alarm clock in a day in the life was sort of a happy accident. And it seems right. like it was, it was just set just so at the perfect moment, but that's not true. It was magic. I mean, it was just, it just <laughs> went off at the wrong time and they left it in and uh, they liked the way it sounded. And I, I, I that's, 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 you know, how I think of the Beatles as like almost a magic group. 
you know, that's that's a great analogy, and and you know, especially you know that Jeff Emmerich book, uh, which is invaluable. I know, Elena, you you had mentioned you know kind of leafing through that last last week, and there are so many beautifully magical random moments that you capture so beautifully in in the book with with character and, and you paint them so vividly you know with the you know, with, and, I, and i and i don't want to give away too much because it, it really is there, there's some cool things going on but but i i love I, I just love the little scene that you paint with 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 lenny you know ha- happening upon james taylor and carly simon <laughs> Uh, I love so, that too. <laughs> I just, you know, I mean, it's so cool, Lena, isn't it? You just wake up and it's the beach and, love it. and it's, it's yeah. amazing. I mean, that was, that, that, that's sort of the beginning of his time travel adventures. And, you know, he yeah. doesn't know, I mean, you can know, just imagine, you know, he doesn't know what's going on. He's listening to a James Taylor song one moment and sitting uh, by the campfire with James Taylor and Carly Simon the next. Um, it's, it, it, it's, it, God, wouldn't it be great if time travel were, were, were possible? I mean, I, I think that just that kernel of thought has captured so many people over the years. Um, like we have, uh, it's like inbred in us, the desire to go back and see, be there at pivotal moments and, you know, when the you know, Beatles are in the studio or, you know, I don't know, you could pick anything you want when Hitler was marching or something, you know, you, but you'd, wouldn't you want to be there and interrupt or see it in person? I mean, it, it's just um, – it's one of those concepts that, you know, as a principle, you know, I, I'm sure you can understand that, like, uh, kids just – everybody has it. I mean, it's just I, – I, I can't believe when people say they, they don't think about the past because I think that's a lie. I think everybody does, you know, and it, there's an there's a overwhelming desire to go to go back and be there at magic moments. Um, just is. Hey, and Donovan, you, did you realize that Carly Simon was at the 1964 Toronto Beatles show? No, Ooh. I didn't know that. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. You know? Fun fact from Jude Kessler. <laughs> she she knows <laughs> all the all the all the facts. Yeah. She knows all the facts. That she knows a lot about John Lennon. That's for sure. I would write oh, yeah. nine yeah. books about him. Man. You, 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 that's exhaustive, you know. Um, her mind know, is her actually, mind Meryl is a Street wonder. Shea Stadium concert, I think. Um, right. So that's the yeah. 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 Anyway, I think Whoopi but, Goldberg you know, I, too. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. There's I, I, a squirrel. Know, I, love, I love I love the Pepper album, and I, I can't I can't you know I, I you know it's I don't know what my favorite song would be. I when people ask me, I always say A Day in the Life is my favorite Beatles song. It it just seemed like uh, the Ulysses. I mean, it was like the, the, the moment when everything came together, and it's sort of, you know, uh, heavy in a, in a many ways. But you know, I love the song you played as I was being introduced. The benefit, for the, for the benefit of Mr. Kite, uh, and how John Lennon just bought a a poster in an antique shop, and all the lyrics are kind of on that poster. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's that group online, um, Kite. Kite uh, Publishing or Kite Posters, who who uh, does reproductions of that poster, and it's great. It's great. I mean, I wish I could afford one, but I've seen it online. Um, oh, that sounds anyway. cool. Yeah, I'd love to have yeah. one of those as well. Um, and I'm and I'm thinking about what what song I would want to hear. And I, as I'm reading, 
you know, what what song do I want to hear that would take me back? And you know, one of the things is you were you know sharing that I'm, I I definitely don't want to hear the the live version of Under My Thumb by the Stones at Altamont. I don't want to go back there. So, but 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 perhaps yeah. A Day in the Life would be a wonderful song to to just you know go back when they had the orchestra and all that. But but Donovan, it. Um, we yeah. we are we're, we're we're running out of time and and uh, really appreciate you uh, uh, stopping by and and again the book is get back imagine saving John Lennon it is a time travel fantasy for for all ages and uh, well listen th- and, thank you for having me on it's been I'm I'm honored to be a part of the Pepper mindset and uh, keep up the good work that's what I say definitely we Thanks, and we look Donovan. forward to. Uh, future writings and uh and more connecting thank you so much donovan uh, all right guys thanks so much good night thank Bye. you it was a pleasure to have you Okay, principal, uh, my Pepperland principal. How are you going to explain those lyrics? Well, yeah, that uh, you know, one of my favorite songs from Sergeant Pepper, and uh, uh, a swiping indictment of all things education. Man, yeah, that <laughs> an early uh, an, an early prelude to Pink Floyd's "Another Brick in the Wall," right? The Beatles were there sure. first. <laughs> sure. You, you, you know that it it's it, in in many ways, um, you know, Paul is is right, and and there there are unfortunately and sadly, um, you know, students and and teachers and and even s- some of us who are lead learners and principals where where. Uh, we're, we're not feeling the, the the love and and the uh, the excitement that is that is education that is that is school and sure. um, a, a lot of it comes comes down to um, in, in in my estimation you know as, as as a principal and as an educator comes down to building and and sustaining uh, a positive culture that is in service and support of kids. And easier said than done, because I, I truly believe that education is the noblest of of, uh, of professions. And 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 Lena, you and I could probably, uh, you know, go go through a list of of several teachers uh, whom have had a a positive impact uh, on on our on our lives or on the lives of our kids or, or relatives and 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 friends and. Um, one of the things that that has kind of fired me up with the 50th anniversary of of Sergeant Pepper and 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 this whole notion, this concept of the Pepper mindset, is that th- there are so many in- incredible threads that that the Beatles have have kind of put out for us that I think can inspire educators and and teachers and principals and and parents and guardians and. And, and and families to to really 
do some incredible things for for kids to build a, a school that is innovative and creative now i would love to have a school where where we all are, are wearing our our sergeant pepper uh uniforms and uh <laughs> and, and 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 playing a day in the life and 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 there's room for that um but i think the pepper mindset this whole notion of the beatles and and Donovan touched on it, and, and Jim touched on it, this notion of this kind of creative collaboration. You know, in education we have what's called the four C's, uh, where we try to tie learning and, and teaching and activities to the four C's of education. The first C standing for communication, the second C, creativity, the third C, collaboration, and the fourth C, critical thinking, where you know, instead of students sitting in rows, we try to build real-life experiences and, and to build a foundation so that they can be creative and, and students can build and create their own masterpiece and, and, and hopefully um, lay the groundwork for, for doing great and bold and innovative things for, to change the world and for humanity. Um, so I think a lot of lessons are learned there with folks like George Martin, Jeff Emmerich, and John Paul George and Ringo making this this album and that we're still talking about today, that we're getting ready to celebrate the, the, the 50th uh, anniversary for. Um, I don't know about you, Lena, but I am counting down to May 26th when that deluxe edition comes out. Um, I know. The, <laughs> I mean, have you, have you pre-ordered yours? No, but every day I look at it yeah. <laughs> and ponder, yes, <laughs> drool. It's I, like uh, the Sears catalog at Christmas. You nice know. analogy. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, 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 and and I'm I'm just waiting by the mailbox. Um, in fact, I'm standing in front of my mailbox right now, uh, waiting for May 26 to come. But <laughs> but again, that's what the Pepper mindset is all about. And 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 hopefully together. Uh, we can kind of share a little bit about how the lessons of the Beatles in making this great album, this album of innovation and, and creativity that, that still challenges us and inspires us, if we can take those lessons and, and take them into the schoolhouse and take them into the classroom where teachers are building uh, classes and, and activities and experiences where where students are in, empowered to be independent thinkers and creative thinkers and, and to do some of the cool things that are happening. And a lot of this is happening in schools today, things like with makerspace and problem-based learning and future-ready learners. And these are all kind of academic buzzwords that are out there, but some great inspiring sure. things are happening. So uh, I'm excited to be on this journey with you and, and with those who, who are tuning in, and hopefully we will uh, – We'll, we'll, we'll play a little part in, in, in the journey of, some, of, of the great learners and our great kids that are out there, and teachers as well. Well, it, um, teachers have such, a, such an important influence on children, and um, I you know, would always would have to say that musicians can have a profound influence on children too and as we know there's so many benefits of children learning music and listening to music and those um there's just so many benefits that can uh enrich their lives and uh kudos for you to you for 
um, combining all of this creative energy and uh, working on explaining how how the Beatles can um, influence educators. Well, well, thank you. It um, you know, and there's so many paths, and and there are so many folks that are are, are doing some great and innovative things, and and doing it a lot better than than, than me, so to speak. But you know, I, I am a bit of a Beatles fan, and and uh, and I know that you are as well. So uh, I appreciate the opportunity to to collaborate with you, and and to work with you, and to have some of these great authors that are going to be coming up in in the next uh the, the month of may as we as we kind of build up towards the 50th anniversary of sergeant pepper and uh and i hope and i look forward to kind of connecting out on on uh in the twitter sphere and if folks are following the pepper mindset and feel free to tag uh myself at sm gaylord or at, at recipe records and 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 we, w- we would love to continue the conversation uh there as well so uh, with, with that, Lena, what, what do we? I know we've got some, we've got a, a, a pretty big uh, influence coming our way next week, right? Oh, absolutely. Ken Walmack <laughs> is uh, just a he has written uh, an encyclopedia of the Beatles, and pretty sure that's what his brain looks like as well. He is going to be joining us, and the the outline is going to focus on the headmaster, George Martin, who is, um, a lot of people have called him the fifth Beatle. There's been a lot of people that have been called the fifth Beatle, but uh, George Martin was uh, absolutely brilliant. And his son, Giles, I've been reading a lot today about the work Giles did on remastering the Sgt. Pepper's release that is due out. Right. Uh, another another one of our friends, Bruce Spicer, uh, had the opportunity to meet with Giles and listen to it with him, and that is uh, outstanding. And he, he said it was fabulous. So on May 26th, when you uh, open up your mailbox, you're going to be very pleased I can't. I can't wait, and uh, I'm excited about uh, George Martin. Although, although a producer, I, I truly believe um, a natural educator, a natural teacher, and uh, definitely um, an, an example for educators to look towards for modeling uh, and inspiring and, and connecting with kids in the schoolhouse because he definitely. Uh, did that with uh, the Beatles in in the making of of so many incredibly uh, beautiful pieces of music, and um, and one of them happens to be Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yes. There, his his influence is just unmatched, uh, and so it'll be it'll be really exciting to chat with Ken next week, and also. With you again, Sean, the Pepperland principal. And (laughs) we are going to have another really great time. Thank you all for tweeting and sharing on Facebook and telling all of your friends about the Pepper Mindset. This, again, is 
the brainchild of Sean Gaylord, and you can see John, uh, Sean's. I'm thinking of John. You can see Sean's. I'll take that. <laughs> uh, blog. <laughs> Sean's blog. Check it out at principallinernotes.wordpress.com. Uh, and you can also follow Sean on Twitter at smgaylord, G-A-I-L-L-A-R-D. And he is a master of Twitter. So you will, you will always be in the know if you follow Sean. Trust me. So check out his his fine writings, and I applaud your creativity and your genuine. Um, I'm losing my losing my thesaurus okay. and my brain. Your That's your genuine right. your your genuine. Um, want to help children and desire, drive, um, to help children and, and to be helpful to other educators as well. And I think that this show is a great, great way to show other educators what, what can be done. And it's not just musicians. You know, anybody can, if they really want to produce a, a great product, they can do it. So, Thanks so much again, Sean, for putting this all together. It was a great uh, it's a great plan. We will be here again next Wednesday, five o'clock PM Central Time at Blog Talk Radio. The link for the show will go out probably tomorrow. It's a at a different link. And be sure to check out Jim Birkenstadt at www.rockandrolldetective.com. And check out Donovan Day's Get Back Young Adults Fantasy Story. It's great. Amazon, you can find Donovan. And you can also find Recipe Records Cookbooks at www.recipe-records-cookbook. So, Sean, let's, uh, let's tell everybody to uh, enjoy the show. Yes, and uh, we will uh, we will definitely catch you on uh, the flip side, Lane. It's been a, it's just been a treat uh, talking with you, and and uh, love love being on this journey to Pepperland with you with the the Pepper mindset. You are truly a rock star, and uh, your your recipes aren't all that bad either. All right, cool. Thank you, Sean. We will talk to you next week. Thanks so much for being here. Recipe Records is food for thought, food for the soul, food for the love of rock and roll.